Well, glory. Hallelujah. I saw something disturbing this week, and it was repeated this weekend. It's very disturbing to me, uh, especially after the amount of time that I spent in the United States military, uh, serving for a number of years. And what really was earth-shattering, I, 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 I'll just be honest with you, I, I never thought we would come to this point. I just honestly, believe me, I just never thought we would get here to this point. But I heard this morning, it was reiterated once again. And this is not, this is not hearsay. This was um, in some of the mainstream media. But here's one of the things that, and I may get cut off for this this morning, but so be it, okay? Um, but here's what I heard, that the American flag has probably come to the point that it is no longer a symbol of who we are or unity of this nation. Along with the Star-Spangled Banner, the Star-Spangled Banner is no longer... Um, picture of who we are but then they took it a step further and this really I guess kind of put the icing on the cake that the Statue of Liberty is no longer a picture of of what this nation is about and I'm thinking how do we get here how, how did how did we get to this place the National Center for Constitutional Studies, I don't know how many of you are familiar with that organization, but they spend a great deal of time. Matter of fact, they, are, they, have, a, they have a huge following of students uh, who um, take the Constitution and they, just, they go through it. And uh, they spend a great deal of time learning the Constitution and what the Constitution is all about and here's one of the other things that I heard this week. And whether, whether, okay, whatever side of the fence you come down on, okay, it's, it's, it's up to us. But here's something else that I heard, that the United States of America was not founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Well, I hate to tell you this, but if you go read the Constitution of the United States of America... All of the main components of the Constitution of the United States of America is built on principles of Judeo-Christian thought and teaching. So how did, we get, how did we get here? How did we get to this place? I think we have a picture of that for us in the Bible. Matter of fact, if you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah chapter number 30. Isaiah chapter 30 is the fourth in a series of woes that are being issued by Isaiah the prophet to not only to the northern kingdom of Israel, but also to the southern kingdom of Judah. And these series of woes that begin back uh, in, uh, let's see, they begin all the way back in chapter 28. Um, you find the beginning of the woes. As we come to chapter 30, we find the fourth one. The fourth one is going to be brought against Judah and against Jerusalem. And I guess probably of, of the Old Testament, this is probably one of those difficult chapters. 
um, because basically it gives us an insight into what was taking place in Israel, uh, here specifically in chapter 30, uh, to the southern kingdom of Judah and to Jerusalem. Matter of fact, after all that God had done for his people, they turned away from him and they sought help from Egypt. Not from God, but from Egypt. And my dear friend, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm afraid today we're traveling down that same road in this nation that we live in today. We have been absolutely blessed by God himself more than we could ever begin to imagine. And what have we done? As a matter of fact, I'm afraid we've come to the point today we have more knowledge, we have access to more knowledge, we have more technology today, we have ways to communicate the Scripture and the Gospel today beyond anything our minds could ever comprehend that would be available to us And it absolutely seems to me today that we're farther away from God and the things of God than we have ever been. And why is that? Why is that? Isaiah chapter 30, verse 1 through verse 5, brings the indictment. It brings the woe as the woe is spelled out for us. And I want you to notice as they are referred to, they're referred to in verse number 1, Judah is referred to in their alliance with Egypt. They're referred to as a rebellious children by God himself. And that's the way that God refers to them here. And matter of fact, and here's what God basically tells them. You execute a plan, and this plan that you have is not mine. It is not mine at all. And then he goes on, and God says, and you make this alliance but not of my spirit. In order to add sin to sin. And now he begins to recount it as you come to verse number 2. He goes through the stages that is going to happen. They go down to Egypt. And guess what else he says? You go down to Egypt without consulting me. And to do What? To take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh and not God. And so when we consider ourselves today and who we are and where we are, where do we take refuge? Where do we seek refuge today? I I hate to tell you this, but if you're putting your trust and confidence and faith in the United States government today, you're putting it in the wrong place. That's what's going on here. This is the woe that is coming, spoken by God himself. You've entered into this this agreement. You're going down to Egypt. Matter of fact, you're putting together a plan that is not my plan for you. And matter of fact, you're doing it and not even consulting me about it at all. And matter of fact, here's what God tells them. You're adding, you're doing nothing more than adding sin to sin. So what difference is it that we're making? To, I mean, what, what, what is it that's taking place in America today that we live in? And let me say this to you this morning as well. I'm thankful that this is not our final abode. I'm thankful that this is not our final place. 
This is not where we will spend all of eternity. We've been blessed to be able to live in this great nation, okay? But let me share something with you this morning. This nation itself and within itself is not divine. It is not eternal. This land that we live in today one day is going to be gone. It's going to pass away. It is going to not exist anymore. And our final abode is with God. So if our final abode is with God and all of our eternity is with God, it would make sense to me that we would consult him with everything that we do in our lives today. You know, the rulers of Jerusalem did not seek the will of God. That, that's what happened. Isaiah then utters an oracle or a burden concerning the caravan that was traveling from Jerusalem down to Egypt. And matter of fact, when you look at verse 2 and you look at verse 3 and, and notice what happens, and basically here's what he says. He tells them, you're seeking, you're seeking this refuge, you're, you're seeking this, this rest in the shadow of a Pharaoh and in the shadow of Egypt. Why would you be seeking rest? Why would you be seeking this there? Where do we seek our rest? Where do we seek our shelter from today? It should be from God himself. That's where our rest is found is in him. And then notice what God tells them. He says, therefore, this that you're looking for in Pharaoh and in Egypt is going to absolutely become your shame. It's going to become your shame for, for who you are. Because you chose to do this based on your own will and never consulted me about any of it. And then in verse number 5, here's what else Isaiah utters to them, and oh, by the way, everyone, 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 you notice that phrase, everyone, everyone is going to be what? Everyone's going to be ashamed. Everyone will be ashamed because of it, because of what's going to happen. Because of a of a people that cannot profit them, who are not for help or profit, but for shame and also for... In other words, why in the world would you do this? Why would you go down this path? Why would you go down this journey? There is no profit here. There is nothing for you here. So if there's nothing for you here, why would you, why would you go there? Why would you even do that? Matter of fact, they were carrying treasures to buy protection against Assyria. And matter of fact, they had a great deal of it, and you can read this beginning in verse 6, the oracle or the burden. And he sees this as they travel across the Negev, which was very difficult to begin with. And they had all these treasures. And Isaiah sees them and, and, and begins to share this and, and to begin to share this, this burden that he has. And matter of fact, one of the things that Isaiah is told to do is to write it down. To record it and to record it on a scroll, to record what was going on, what was taking place, and to record it on a scroll. 
For what reason? That it may serve as a witness forever. In the time to come to serve as a witness forever. Isaiah cried out when you see this. And Isaiah began to cry out what was taking place. He said, it is all to no profit. It is useless. The Egyptians will help in vain. My dear friend today, if you're seeking rest and you're seeking shelter and you're seeking to fulfill something of emptiness inside of you and if you're seeking to to fill that anywhere apart from God himself, it's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. You know, I love this country. I spent 14 years in the military, United States Air Force proud of it fly on I love the flag I love the national anthem I love the freedoms that we have in this I've traveled all over the world and I will say this to you today what we have in the United States of America is not found anywhere else we've been blessed beyond measure the freedom to worship to send out missionaries, to absolutely be the best that we could possibly be as as the servants of God and who we are. But let me ask you a question. Have we taken that for granted? Have we come to the point today that we've absolutely taken what God has blessed us so greatly with, taken it for granted? Because I will tell you, what we're seeing happen today is slowly slipping away. Slowly slipping away. And the question becomes is where has the church been? What influence does the church have today? In the country that we live in. There was a time frame in the, in the beginning days of America. And I heard this, by the way. They're wanting to change now from the date that is given for the independence uh, independence celebration of America from 1776 back to 16-something. Why? I don't understand why. We know when it took place was in 1776. July the 4th set aside as Independence Day. So why do you want to change that for? Well, because it doesn't really identify and celebrate who this nation really is. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm losing my mind, okay? I'm like, where does this stuff come from? Where does it come from? But even in spite of all of that, I hope and pray that the church never gets to the point that we put more emphasis on giving our allegiance and our worship and our praise to the country that we live in instead of to God. God should always be here. And anything else below there is seen as a blessing from him. But where's the church been? Have we become so programmed and have we become so enamored with who we are Versus understanding and realizing that we're where we are today and we experience what we experience today because of him, not because of us. And do we lack today? 
do we lack for that mighty moving of God? For the Holy Spirit to move through and change people's lives. Let me tell you something this morning. In order for this country to change, the change has to take place inside the heart. Because what is taking place today is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And that issue starts here. Back in the beginning days of this country, there used to be something known as the Black Regiment. And matter of fact, it was made up of clergy dressed in black robes who affected communities in this nation. And my dear friend, that's, about, that's pretty much non-existent today. There is no effect. You know, I hear people say this all the time. Well, you know, will we ever see something like the Great Awakening? I don't know, my dear friend. That's up to us. That's up to us individually. What took place in the Great Awakening and the Great uh, Welsh Revivals started in the heart of believers and a handful of them who decided that they wanted nothing more than to see a mighty moving of the hand of God. Would I love to see that happen in this country again today? You better believe it. And around the world for sure. But I'm afraid we've come to the point today that we think we know just a little bit more than God does. Let me tell you something. Nothing has changed when it comes to God. The way we approach him, the way we worship him, the way we serve him, that has not changed today. It is still the same way. We want to see a mighty moving of God and we want to see things change and take place. Then let me tell you what's going to happen. We get the answer in Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18. In verse number 18. You know it was bad enough that Judah rebelled against God by trusting Egypt instead of trusting him. And depending on money instead of on God's power. Are you ready for this? They even went to the point that they completely rejected the word of God and and who he was. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Church, listen to me. God longs to be gracious to us as believers. And when I say the church, I'm talking about the body of believers. He longs to be gracious to us. And he waits on high to have compassion on us. In other words, he's long-suffering. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's desire. Does God have a desire to have a special relationship with his people? He does. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of us in this building this morning, I don't want you to raise your hand, this is between you and him. This is between you and God. How many of us in this building today have a daily personal relationship with him where we spend time in his word and we pray and seek him in our lives? That's the question. And folks, I, I hate to tell you this, and, and, and I love you. I, I do. Believe me. More than you'll ever know. 
But if all we do is come on Sunday mornings at 10.30 for an hour, and that's all we spend with God all week long, then I'm going to tell you something, we're missing it. Do you have to be inside of this building every time the doors are open? No. Let me tell you something. What you need to do is spend time with him every day regardless of where you are. That's what's desperately needed. Do we want to see a change in this great nation? I'm going to tell you something. It's going to start with us. It's going to start with us individually. In the end of verse number 18, the Lord is a God of justice. I want you to notice the last phrase. How blessed are all of those who long for Let me ask you a question today. Do you long for him? Do you? Do you long for him? Well, let me tell you something. If you long for him truly, then you'll you'll meet him every day. Because his desire is to meet you every day. God bless the USA. That ought to be our desire and prayer. But as believers, you know what we ought to be doing? Praying for God to use us to influence the the place we live. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 12 through verse 14, we see that decisions have consequences. And Isaiah told the people what would happen to Judah and Jerusalem because they were trusting in lies. Their plans were going to become like a bulging wall in verse 13. And guess what? Their plans would be a collapse. And they would collapse suddenly and instantly. And matter of fact, their their collapse, he goes on to describe it as going to be like the smashing of a potter's jar. Of a clay jar. Matter of fact, assured will not even be found among the pieces. But in verse 15, here is what is necessary. In repentance and rest you will be saved. In quietness and trust in your is your strength. But notice what he says. But you're not, listen, that's not, that's not, that's not in your priority list. It's way down here. My dear friend, it's time to move that up here. It's time to take all of this down here that should be up here and move it up here. I mean, we can, we can talk about seeing all of this, but until it starts here, inside of us individually, it's, it's not going to take place. Matter of fact, what's interesting, in verse 16 and verse 17, even during a serious invasion of Judah, the Jews were not able to flee on their horses imported even from Egypt. And matter of fact, we have recorded that a thousand will flee because of one Assyrian. Their horses would not even be able to take care and do for them what was necessary. 
Let me tell you what, you're talking about a humiliation. And let me tell you, I'm, hold on just a minute. I want you to understand, these are the people of God we're talking about here. These are the people of God. Imagine the humiliation that they experience as a result of this. Consequences for our choices. And my dear friend, let me share this with you today. There are consequences for the choices that we make in our lives. And when we decide to go away from and in direct contradiction to the truth of the word of God and from God himself, the consequences that come as a result of that are just that. They're the consequences of our own choices. And what we're experiencing today is consequences of our own choices. So what was their only hope? Their only hope was to repent, to return to the Lord, and by faith rest only in Him. Are you ready for this? But they weren't willing to listen. They just were not willing To do what was necessary. My question today would be, are we willing to do what's necessary? Are we willing to do what needs to be done? And I will tell you this, and I honestly believe this, and I'm to the point. And matter of fact, just even even last night as I was, matter of fact, I have read through Isaiah 30 and gone through this over and over and over again. And I said, what what an absolute, what a, I mean, to, to, this is the people of God that we're talking about here. This woe is leveled against the people of God. After all of the things God had done for them, they go the opposite direction. They make their own plan. You know, we get into trouble more in our lives today because we take our own direction instead of seeking and searching for the direction that God has for us. That's what happened here. And at the end of the day, there was was no one at the end of the day that they could turn to other than themselves. Here's one of the things we're real quick to do. It's called the blame game. We're real quick and it's real easy for us to blame everything else but ourselves. In Genesis chapter 3, when Eve partook of the fruit, when God came looking for them, what did Eve do? Eve blamed the serpent. Adam blamed who? Eve. You see that cycle? It's the blame game. And my dear friend, why is it today that we want to blame everything in this world on everything else instead of starting with our own selves and saying, okay, where am I in this equation? That's tough. That's tough. That's why the psalmist wrote, search me, O God, and know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the paths everlasting. You see, when we ask God to search us, to know our thoughts, to know every aspect of who we are, and then to reveal that to us, what do we do with it when it's revealed to us? Mm. It's tough. 
Proverbs chapter 14. The book of Proverbs is full of principles with which we can live by. Matter of fact, have you ever noticed the book of Proverbs has 31 chapters? It handles even up to those months that have 31 days in them. You know what a great thing to do is? Every day of a month is to read a proverb a day. A proverb a day. Proverbs chapter 14 is an interesting one. Because there's a statement in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 34 um, that I think is... It's just so key as we consider this subject this morning. Righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach. Sin is a reproach. Righteousness exalts the nation. Righteousness. So where are we? Where, where are we today in the equation? When you look at the equation, where are we in the equation? You ready for this? I'm going to tell you something. Here's what you don't understand. Everything I'm sharing with you this morning has been has been a part of me for the last for the last week as I sought God what what do you do on the fourth of what what do you want on the fourth of July from me? And let me tell you what I've seen and it was for me, not for you, for me. You need to make some changes yourself. That's tough. That's tough. Wants to do something this morning. In light of where we are, in light of the situation that we find ourselves in today. What happened with Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel? Well, the northern kingdom of Israel went into captivity to Assyria and never came out. Scattered all over. Judah went into captivity to Babylon for 70 years. And they came back out of Babylon after 70 years of bondage. Zerubbabel with Ezra and part of the exiles as they came out, came back to Jerusalem and began to rebuild the temple. A few years later, Nehemiah and more of the exiles came out and began to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem under the direction of Artaxerxes and the decree that was issued. But not much changed in Judah. Nothing changed in Israel. My prayer is that would not be the case with us 
So this morning, here's what I want us to do. Starts with us individually. And for the invitation this morning, here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I want to ask us to get on our knees and our faces before God. And as the psalmist said, our prayer should be this morning to search me, O God. To know me. And are you ready for this? He already knows you. See, he already knows our heart. He knows the very thoughts. See, here's the thing about God. God knows the secret things. He knows the secret things. But this morning, I want us just to spend some time with him individually, just just mm and him. To do what? To pray. To pray for what? To pray for this nation. To pray for those that have authority over us. Let me tell you something. That's what we're commanded to do. But more than that is to pray for us that we would be with God what we need to be. Amen? I'm going to ask Brother Red... There he is, over there, okay, to come this morning. I'm just going to ask Miss Jenny to play, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a, just a quick time of prayer, and then I'm going to ask you to do something, right? Where you, you can do it where you are, but I want to ask us to get, get on our knees before God. And I know some physically may not be able to. That's okay, because you can do it seated right where you are. But if you can and you're physically able to, I would like for us to do that. This altar, these front pews are open up here. If you want to come up here to pray, I want you to feel free to do so. And I want us for the next few minutes just to spend time praying and seeking God. Father, we thank you for the prophet Isaiah. Father, a difficult task that Isaiah had to do was to deliver this fourth woe to Judah and to Jerusalem. Father, all of our choices have consequences. And Father, today we find ourselves in a place where we so desperately need you. Father, we so desperately need a moving of the Holy Spirit. Father, help us, I pray today. We're needy people and we need you. And so, Father, I pray this morning as we just kind of move things to the side and all of the busyness and everything else. And Father, just spend some time alone with you. Father, may our hearts be encouraged. Father, may we be challenged from your word this morning to be the people you've called us to be. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name and for his sake. As Miss Jenny begins to play, I'm just going to ask you right where you are. You can do it in the pew where you are. You can make your way up here to the altar. Uh, But go ahead, let's move at this time. And as you pray, as you finish, as you finish praying this morning, just rise to your feet. And when everyone is standing, then we'll be dismissed this morning. Right where you are, or up here at this altar, you come on.